cheating bastard. Get the fuck back out there and you're further behind now. <laughs> yeah. Did it, it is spooky sometimes how big the lineups are. Costco, same deal, right? Insane. Absolutely insane. Anyway, let's talk about sports. So what are we going to talk about today, Heath? Well, I think we're going to talk a little NFL. There was uh there's sort of a rash of arrests. There was a couple of guys at, at a party, another guy with weapons charges. Like, I don't know, man. I think they're all going squirrely, and then they're just they're itching to do something, like hit somebody, do something. I don't know. Or they got money and time on their hands now that they're not used to having. So, you know, idle hands doing the devil's work. Idle so hands. we'll talk a little bit. Uh, we'll call the cops. <laughs> We'll talk a little bit about that, and then we'll talk. Uh, I wanted to touch on the Rooney rule. There's some possible provisions, changes with that. Mm. Uh, I think we need to maybe yeah. touch on that a little Good bit. Idea. Mm-hmm. Th- that's a rabbit hole you could go wicked far down, but we, yeah. we'll we we'll try to keep it reasonable, I guess. Um, and then we definitely, we definitely need to touch that though, for sure. Yeah. And me being a huge NFL guy and I'm, I'm always been interested in politics and everything else. And, and with the pandemic going on and starting sports and it's just, there's so much content and it's easy to find an angle or an opinion, but there's multiple angles to that. So we'll talk about a few anyway. Um, and then the other one was the NHL's 24 teams, format that's been rumored and soon to be released apparently it's coming soon and host cities and all that and we'll give our two cents on that um and then we're going to talk about sort of how some sports have kind of returned and are getting going um some pga nascar bundesliga in, in germany some european stuff getting going even tennis i believe is actually talking about doing some stuff so We'll kind of go over a few of those and just sort of see what we kind of think or expect or what seems reasonable, I guess, at this point. So anyway, um, let's jump. You guys want to start with some NFL, I suppose. Let's start with the all-criminals team. The all-criminal team. Well, (laughs) seems like corners work in in tandem, or at least these two did. DeAndre Baker of the... uh, New York football, football giants, giants and, uh, and excuse me, Quentin Dunbar, who's a Seattle Seahawks corner got arrested. Oh, I have issued have, sorry, I'll start that again. Have warrants issued in connection to, um, some robber armed robbery, alleged armed robbery, um, armed robbery with a firearm and four counts of aggravated assault for Baker. Um, and Dunbar is wanted on four counts of armed robbery with a firearm. So the alleged incident was part of a party, apparently, where they were rumored to have been stealing money and watches from those in attendance, armed with the semi-automatic firearm. I don't know why they say semi-automatic firearm. It was a fucking handgun. Okay, they're all semi-automatics. That's how handguns work. But anyway... <laughs> Unless you're a pirate, you got the old fucking rammer in there, boom, kind of style, and you keep it in the front of your pants. <laughs> but anyway, uh, those two, apparently, every, the media came out and was just like, oh, my God, what the hell are these? And it turns out there's a lot of witnesses now turning around saying they didn't do it. 
So this is going to be interesting how, A, the NFL deals with it, how the courts deal with it. It's a bit of a he said, she said. But at the same time, you're like, why the fuck are you out at a party on a Thursday night when everybody's in lockdown? Who's having parties? Exactly. Who's going to these Who's going to these things? I I don't know. I've never been to a party where an, a, a guy actually showed up with a gun. Maybe maybe uh, that's just the small town in me. But yeah, but they were they in don't Florida. Seem, They're in Florida. They don't. Well, so everybody's packing, you know, the grade six kids pack even. So it's part of lunch. Um, but I mean, even I, if I they know. get, even if they get to where they're, they're, um, you know, not, uh, not in trouble for actually, they're still going to have to answer for being there and, you know, being in that situation. Right. Because yeah, it shows questionable. Just just all the optics of it, not even knowing any of the details, sound really sketchy. Yeah, and I mean, and and that's sort of the thing. Like, I mean, we all remember when Plaxico Burris, another New York Giant, shot himself in the leg. Leg. <laughs> right. Like, what a fucking buffoon. But I mean, there's all these things. Like, you know, they'll they'll the, the team will give you people that'll help you know, some, some protection, that kind of thing. They'll go with you, that kind of thing. Like, you know, but at the same time, you're like, do you really think when you have that much money that it's a good idea to go out in sketch places doing sketch shit? Like realistically, it could cost you your career. Like look at Ray Lewis, right? I mean, bad place, bad time. He damn near never played another down of football again. Like, why run that risk is, is mm-hmm. beyond me. Pla- mm-hmm. Plaxico Burris going to the club with a gun in his fucking pocket. Like, come on. If it's that sketch you got to pack heat, I don't think you need to you be can't. there. Well, and if you're Plaxico Burris, can't you afford somebody to look after you? Holy well, shit. They would, they would provide it. The Giants would provide, like, drivers and everything. That was the story back then is, like, they would look after you. They would help you out so you don't have to do this shit on your own. But at the same time, it's like, why be there? Never mind what happens. It's just, why are you even there? That's the baffling part to me, right? (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So, um, you know, to me, it just... I think some of these guys got too much damn time on their hands. Maybe what it boils down to, but I mean, they're not the only two guys. I mean, who else was, was arrested this week? Uh, um, defensive end de- with the bills there. Um, defensive tackle, named, Ed Oliver, Ed Oliver. That's yeah, the other DUI one. Right? And uh, unlawfully carrying a weapon and Cody Latimer. Yeah. Accused of so, felony discharge of a weapon in Inglewood, Colorado. So, A, I don't understand why they're going to places where they feel the need to have a gun. I'm all for guns, believe me. Like, But at the same time, it's like, I don't go to places where I know that I'm going to need that kind of protection too. You know, uh, when I first started like playing hockey and, and stuff and we'd, you know, go to tournaments, that kind of shit, and you're a little older and you're able to go out on your own, you know, that kind of thing. A guy pulled me aside and he's kind of a, a, 
a big deal in my life, I guess. But as a coach, that's kind of who I model myself after. But even when you're at, at a tournament with your kids, right, nothing good happens after midnight. The parents are all sitting around the pool drinking. Yeah, go to your go to your bed at midnight. Just go to your... After that, I wouldn't there's say that nothing liquored good up fucking single mom midnight. who's hitting on the on the, all the other hockey dads, or you know somebody says something about somebody's ice time. Like it just goes off the rails. Nothing good happens after midnight. So have the ability to just not put yourself in those situations, right? Have the self discipline, and these guys to me would have the self discipline to. They've gotten to that level as an athlete. There must be some self discipline in them. Have the self-discipline to get your ass home or not say yes and go to all these sketch places. But right now, right now, why? There is no, there's no certainty in their future. They have no purpose. They have all the means in the world and absolutely no aim, right? And probably no upbringing to teach them to not be in the wrong place at the wrong time. Not to to teach them that nothing good happens after midnight. Sure, but I mean, a lot of these, a lot of these people say, like, "Hey, I, I was in trouble, or I could have been in trouble a lot, and and you know, was going down a dark path, and football kept me uh, on the straight and narrow, right? And it keeps some discipline. Well, all of a sudden, football is well, who the fuck knows, right? And so, where does your focus go? Like, all of a sudden, you have no the whole the one thing that has maybe saved you and kept you all that time. All of a sudden, you're like, well. Fuck it. I got nothing left to to help focus me, right? Right. Well, true, true. But I mean these guys do get in trouble during football season. Just it's a little oh, higher rate in the some off of them season do, yeah. For some yeah. of the reasons you listed, right? So yeah. <laughs> to me to me it's sort of a do you want to fuck up your career and then what, do speaking tours to high school kids when you're when you're done because you got your shit together to say, Man, I really fucked it up. Don't be like me. You know? How many of these guys maybe had a guy come to their school when they were kids and give them that talk? Did they take the advice? No, because some people need to learn it the hard way, I guess. I don't know. but Well, at least, at least they can make a decent money on the speaking tours. <laughs> Not NFL money, though. Not NFL money. But, yeah, I. to me, it's just... <clears throat> it, it maybe shows a little bit with having that many guys in a week kind of shit hits the fan and things go sideways, whatever you want to call it. It's like, mm, they might be getting a little stir crazy. And when you're cooped up, what's the first thing you do once you're released, you know, like keep a dog in a kennel for a day. The second you gets out, what's he going to do? He's going to fucking run. He doesn't know where he's just going to run. Why freedom? I don't, you know, and that's what you're kind of seeing with the pandemic. The second they said, Oh, here's phase one, phase two. We're going to let people go back out. They go a little further than, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. So, you know, same with these guys. I think it's just, they're a little more affluent when it comes to the cash and they want to go party because they've been cooped up and they make poor decisions. So anyway, um, let's talk about the Rooney rule. Enough of Enough about the shitheads. Let's let's talk about the owners. Okay. Oh wait, they're kind of shitheads too. <laughs> yeah, let's so, talk about the fucking people who are supposed to set examples for these young men who they pull up out of the gutters, right? <laughs> yeah, really. So <laughs> the NFL, we I don't know. Everybody's fairly familiar with the Rooney Rule, where they have to they have to interview one um, person of color yep. for every opening, 
right? Head coach or, or GM um, being the main two. And the NFL put it in there because they wanted more coaches of color because most of the NFL, I believe it's over 75% just for a safe number. I think it might even be in the 80s somewhere is African-American. So they want more black coaches is what it is. Um, So what's happening is they're basically interviewing guys as a token black candidate or minority candidate. And just to say they satisfied the rule and then they're hiring whoever they want. So the NFL and what's being sort of thrown out there and it's going to be voted on at the owner's meeting or discussed further is they would like to look at potentially incentivizing the whole thing in the form of draft picks. So if you hire a black head coach, your second or third round pick or whatever, you move up so many slots in a round or even maybe an entire round for picks. So you would have some incentive to have a minority candidate. I get what they're going for. I get what they're going for. But at the same time, usually when when these things occur, and this is more just in the general political realm even, the more you try to make things fair, the more inherently unfair it becomes or the more corrupt people will become to get around the rule. They've already gotten around the Rooney rule, and it was supposed to solve the problem, right? But the second you say, I'm going to hire you for whatever box you check, then you're sort of throwing the merit and the qualification to the side. Now, these are billion-dollar franchises, right? So look at them like a company because they make money and that's what they do, right? Do you want the best person running your company? Most people would say yes. So why do you not have many minority candidates that are that qualified? Why is it predominantly white guys that end up in the coaching ranks? I'll tell you exactly why. Because white guys are predominantly in positions of power. And until that changes... It okay. doesn't matter what mechanism you try to use to enforce diversity. It's not going to work. And I think this is just, it's wrong-headed at best. I think their hearts are in the right place. They're trying, but like, and, that, really and, and that's the it, thing. A bunch of white owners patting themselves on the back for lending a hand up to a poor colored person. Give me a fucking break. I well, and that's that. where, that's, that, that's where the Rooney rule, in my opinion, was put in there, it's easily circumvented. We see, we, we see teams walk dance around it all the time, right? Well, sure, and, you interview a token candidate. Right, exactly. Now, if you're that token candidate and you know you're the token candidate, do you appreciate being used in that way? Because the media gets your name. I, I don't know that I'd want to be the token candidate. It's, it's almost insulting. I'd rather be the guy who went in there with merit getting the job right like it's almost sort of a backhanded compliment being the token guy well okay so so why subject yourself to that but at the same time as as the owners they put in this rule so that they could feel better about hiring a white guy and the guilt was basically washed away because well we have this rule we we were looking at black candidates to me it covers their guilt that's all it did it doesn't cover the problem 
it, it takes me back to like I think back to what we experienced here in Ryderville with uh, Shivers and Barrett being the first uh, uh, black head coach GM combo, and you know Shivers was hired essentially on his merits, not because of his race. But then he turned around and and in a way you can't really blame him because it's 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 almost a reasonable pushback for some of the you know generations of oppression that black people have seen, right? But I mean no and he made no bones about the fact that he he pushed black people forward. And so I'm sure Danny Barrett probably would have been uh, not necessarily hired because he was the best guy, but hired by Shivers because he was black, right? Because he right. made no bones about that with a lot of players, right? Like I'll take right. the black guy over the white guy every time. And and in and it's and its own, but at its own sort of base level, though, is that not racism? Oh, 100 percent, it is. Right, but nobody calls anybody on it. Right? Like, oh, fuck. He, I, you know what I mean? got called the R word a lot, I think. Right. Well, he it, was, he's an interesting fellow, yeah, that guy, because he's, he is. So but I mean, I, in this, one way, but yeah, the other way, he's completely bigoted, right? Yeah. And, and, but it also further fuels that monster. That's the shitty part. Like, you can't well, call anything about a that monster, but then at the other, you know, one, one hand is saying, I got to fight the monster and I'm waving my sword, but the other has a, you know, has food in it for the monster. Like, right. Yeah. Somebody has to stop the cycle and just say, I don't give a shit. I really don't give a shit. It's right. merit and merit alone. But right. well, the more the you know, and, and there's one, one person, what well, we all know who Morgan Freeman is, right? No. You ever, ever get it? You ever get a chance? Maybe he'll narrate this one day. He's for maybe it. narrated <laughs> a few shows. Yeah. But I mean, Morgan Freeman, you don't see a lot of him out there. He's a pretty, pretty prominent person in the black community. The way to get rid of racism, if you ask Morgan Freedom, Free, Freeman, stop talking about it. Stop talking about it. The second you bring it up and say it and put it in someone's face, that's what they're thinking about. They're not thinking about the individual. They're thinking about what he looks like. And And there is some merit to that, though, too, right? So... Hiring a black guy or hiring a white guy, just hire the best guy. Black and white isn't the issue. The best guy or the worst guy. It might be to some of those owners, though. What's that? It might be to some of those owners, though. You can't say that the black well, and white and I'm means not saying... nothing to them. It might. There seems it might. to be there yeah. seems to be a reason that they have they're trying to do something in the league. So why are they trying to do something? Because everybody's pushing them to be more woke and they need to become more 21st century. It's too much of an old boys club. Just like the boardrooms of the, of the world, right? In the corporate world, they're not gender diverse enough. People are pushing for it. But at the same time, part of the reason some industries maybe can and some can't is availability. And that was kind of my thing with the Rooney rule is there's some availability of, of good black assistant coaches who could be interviewed and become head coaches. But there that. isn't even enough position coaches that are, are, are you know, black people or minority people. Right. Why is that? So where, yeah, well, exactly. I think what Matt's trying to get at is it stems way before that. So 
probably black coaches aren't getting the opportunities at a high school level and then at a college level in order to move their way up in well, order to have an opportunity at an assistant coaching job in the NFL and then a head coaching job. So to me, you look at you look at some of the guys like well, like Roy Shivers was a good football player, became a front office guy, right? Danny Barrett was a quarterback, became a front office guy, a head coach, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, some of these guys come from not good upbringings, right? A lot of guys, black and white, actually. But I mean, they come into the league, and and you made it, you made it. You can get out of your neighborhood. You can get out of you can get your mom or dad a car or whatever, right? Like you, you made it. Do you want to go back and give back to where you came from? Cause you know how hard it is for those kids making it. I see Emmett Smith. I see, um, prime time. I like, there's a lot of very good 50 plus year old black athletes who are NFL players, very good NFL players. I'm not saying Wayne Gretzky wasn't a good head coach, right? I mean, not everybody can come back and coach just because they were a good player. But why aren't any of these prominent NFLers, ex NFLers, coming back to be head coaches? Maybe because they they got their money. They got their money. It was a means to an end. I think Jerry Rice would be smart enough to coach. So are but you some saying of them that go back it, and do it at the high school level to oh, give back oh. to the kids that they once were, though, too, right? So, I mean, there's a cycle there that maybe needs to be broken that they don't go back to their communities and coach high school. I'm going to bring them in as an assistant tight ends coach and get them started at this level coaching. Because, let's face it, a coach who played at a high level has a little more clout, a little more merit a little more experience. Right. He he can at least yeah, teach him well, how to they, be a pro, right? So they've to got me, that, it they've got an instant credibility with their charges, right? Exactly. So to me, I think if you want to see more minority hires as a head coach, get them started where most almost every coach starts at the bottom. Incentivize it at the bottom to hire those guys there to get them the chops and the experience so they can grow with the game on that side of the ball. To me, that makes more sense because if you just have a ton of options, the cream will rise to the top. They were high-end athletes. They know how to work. They know how to be disciplined. They know how to be pros. They know football. Why wouldn't that guy come up very quickly through the ranks? This this is why I agree with you there, Heath, is – we all know the NFL and how they work. If somebody is going to give them an advantage and help them win more games, they don't care if they are a fucking alien, let alone what color well, they are. They are going to hire those people. So I think well, it may have a lot more to do right. with the opportunity that there just isn't enough. Because it seems to be, even when it is for the Rooney Rule, who gets who gets interviewed? Marvin Lewis? Every time that's now he's your token. Yeah. But how many well, yeah, times does Marvin Lewis Tony say Dungy I'm going to come to it back? No. So. I think Tony Dungy got talked to for, from some teams over the years. Cause he's been rumored oh, he's for great. years and years and years. Right. But he was a very I good head coach. Him. Oh, exactly. I love it. But I how love, many times do you demeanor. think his demeanor is just fantastic. I would love to hang out with him and just have a conversation. Yeah. Oh, me too, for sure. Very smart, intelligent, well, well articulated man, right? But at the same time, how many years 
after he was a done head coaching, did his name pop up as a head coach candidate? Lots. Well, how yeah, many of those though were just because he's black? They they were just trying to get him say, well, we talked to Dungy. That's our token guy. How many times was he the token guy, even as a Hall of Fame accomplished coach? Well, that's what I was gonna say. He's got a pretty good track record coaching, right? Like he I know, in but a I mean couple of places, right? He coached in, in Indianapolis and uh, Tampa, right? Yeah. Uh, I bet you he's been approached twenty times since he retired as a head coach about a head coaching gig. All 20 of them were genuinely interested in, in, in having him. There's, or we're, we're a couple just because he's black. It covered off that box check. Even a Hall of Fame coach may have been subjected to being just a token interview, which is disgusting because he is that accomplished. Mm-hmm. Like the dude could get it done. So, you know, in my mind, they need to bring it up from the bottom. There's a cycle even within the NFL of these guys going back to their communities. And I mean, hey, everybody wants to go home, be a big deal, have the money to do whatever you want, help kids because you knew how hard it was. There's absolutely tons of respect for those guys. But they also got to start to maybe make it so that some of them can get in on the grass, on the bottom end coaching of the coaching ladder in the NFL. Mm -hmm. If you had... 200 position coaches that were people of color next year. Give it five years, you're going to get a couple of them that are going to come up be head coaches. through the ranks and they'll be head coaches. Mm-hmm. You can do it organically. To me, this this further de-incentivizes or punishes. Like To me, this is let's just do the inverse of this for a sec. If you own a franchise, say you're... Who's looking for a head coach? Who just hired one, right? If you're a prominent owner and you hire a white head coach, should you go down six spots? It doesn't seem right. Well, why does going up six spots seem right? Right. Just, okay, so... So, you know... Our loyal, our loyal listener, Brendalyn, says... Now that we're back at that part of this conversation, she says, yep, they'll hire the coach of color... Up it up their draft pick, and then a few games in, fire them, and then they got their pick anyways. Well, and that's that kind of leads me to the next kind of guy I wanted to talk about. It in terms of like a, a a minority hire as a head coach, Hugh Jackson with the Browns. He went zero sixteen, and because he was a a minority hire, and they were so de- there was a lot of outcry over firing him. They fired a a, a black head coach, and it's like. The guy went 0-16. You literally can't get any fucking worse. How, how bad does he have to be? Like, because he's black, he gets to keep his job? No, he got fired because he sucked. That's it. He could have been an alien, like you said, Kyle. Like, realistically, the NFL he shouldn't care. have got the next year. And he did. He started the next year. So, you know, to, to me... There's a different way to do it. Maybe a better way to do it, but I, mean, I think you're right. If you, if you work from the ground up, that's going to help. Right. Cause it's like a snowball rolling downhill. Once right. they have, once, once somebody does sneak in there and they have respect for it. Another thing the NFL is notorious for is their fucking copycats, right? Somebody does the wildcat. All of a sudden, guess what the fucking new, new, new wave is across, across yep. the NFL. Right. 
It doesn't yeah. matter what the hell the trend is. They want to jump on it. And so if you're getting a, a success from these, uh, these new young black head coaches, guess what's going to start happening? So all you need is to kind of get the foot in the door, I think. And then, and then this, it's like a snowball rolling downhill, but it's, yeah, I think you're right. It's got to start at the grassroots because we really need to get that foot in the door because it's just not there yet. But and uh, one of the things that, that really is needed, though, is, is to come at it from the other end. We have to get more minority people in power. But how do you do that? Because there's not enough fucking absurdly rich minorities that want to own football Oprah needs teams, to right? buy an NFL team. Judith? Well, they Oprah. Didn't... Oprah's, Oprah has enough money. Oh, well, Jay Z. Yeah, should be a great Jay, one. Jay Z was going to buy one. Jay Z could buy an NFL. Sure, that's He's what they need Carolina. to do. I'm betting sure, the whatever. rest of the owners wouldn't let Jay Z buy a team. Well, part of it is, and I was going to say, and Jay Z might be a guy because he owns the team. There, it's maybe a little easier to recruit free agents. Right? Like, you look at a place like New England, guys would, when they started winning championships, People would show up in New England on pennies on the dollar. Why? I want to win. I want to win, right? So reputation sometimes is a big deal. Now, if you can get an Emmett Smith to come up through the ranks and in five years become an OC and become a, a head coach, how cool would it be to play for Emmett Smith? What about Nick Lewis? Or Nick Lewis, right? But these guys really know the game and they know and they can relate to the player because they were a player. And that's the thing nowadays that I think is missing with some of these coaches. And you see the dinosaur coaches go by the wayside. It's because they can't relate to the players. Who better to relate to a player than a player? To me, it would be a recruiting tool, if nothing else, right? Like we're gonna give you 20 million a year, they'll give you 20 million. Oh, wait a minute. My head coach is Emmett Smith. Yeah, he'll know how to make you a success on and off the field. Yeah, I'm signing there. Maybe. So, maybe. You know, in I, theory. But I mean, in if he's legitimately got the merit and he gets to that point, he there is a slight advantage, right? Wayne Gretzky so, should have been the greatest coach ever then. <laughs> he was he, a terrible he, he, coach. Well, but was he was he a guy who went through the through the ranks as an assistant or the AHL? No, no, no. Maybe he should have, right? But he was also a guy it? who was renowned for not thinking like just about anybody else who ever played, right? So right. it's going right. to be difficult for but him how, to transfer that knowledge, right? Yeah, how do I communicate that to you? That's What's sometimes that's when... often a problem. Is the guys who are so super talented don't understand why other people can't do what they can do. They're like yeah. Savant. How right? do you do? How do you do? How do you do that? Uh, I just do it. Like when hey, can I guitar. Can I take a non sequitur for just a second uh, and uh, divert over to the uh, the last dance there with the uh, the Bulls? Dennis Rodman's yeah. explaining once he dis- dis- discovered that he should be a good rebounder, he can play defense, and he's explaining how he developed his uh, practice roots and stuff. His I have no idea what that guy is saying, but like he, he's a savant, right? When it comes to, he was excellent at that skill, but holy shit, listen to him trying to explain it. It's just like, hey, shoot for there, shoot for there, shoot for there, come this way, shoot for there, come this way, come shoot for there, come this way. What the fuck are you talking about, man? But yeah. he was brilliant at it, right? Yep, exactly. Anyways, you man, know, sorry, back to football. 
But that, but that's sort of the thing, you know. He spent the time learning it though too, to be oh, yeah. become good at it. And it's the same with coaching. I'll I'll admit I've coached for over twenty years in various youth sports. I was not a good coach in the first five years. You just shut up and you listen, you absorb, you learn different methods and ideas. You know, that's the best way to go about it. And then after that, it's like pretty much everything you touch seems to work out pretty good because you actually got the work in to learn it, you know? So to me, you can't just put a guy in the head coach chair and say, well, it'll work out, you know? They're paid to win. The franchises are there to win. They don't care how. That's what you're judged on. So it's still going to haunt those guys if they're shitty hires, black or white. So if I was a a black guy and I wanted to become a head coach, I'd go earn my stripes, come up through the ranks, learn the game. And then when you do get the the opportunity, you don't do a Hugh Jackson and go (laughs) 0-16. You can maybe sure, keep but, the job for a while. You can be a Tony Dungy, you know, who really knows the game. That's just me. <laughs> Rant over. Moving on. What's next? NHL. NHL. 24 teams, eh? Yeah. I think that's how do you fair? guys feel about 24? Well, how many games were left in the season again? 20? Something like that? Under 20? Just not even. Just, yeah, it was under 20. Like a handful. Yeah. 10-ish. Yeah, that's what I depends on 10 the, or 12. Depend, depends on the team. But how many teams could have moved? It's how like many two weeks teams or were, something. How many teams could have moved in that last bit? Not 24. That's what I well, thought. Well, you know, you got your, your top eight, say, in the East. There's probably three or four, two or three, maybe, maybe four, but say three within striking distance. So maybe that's 11. 20? So maybe 20. That's teams. 11. Yeah. 24 seems like a couple of teams who legitimately did not have a fucking prayer in the regular like season are, are going to actually get into this thing somehow. And they're talking about, well, they'll play down from 24 to like a sweet 16. They'll have a quick little, why? Why? I also heard them saying that they don't want to do that. Nobody wants to do that because they don't want anybody getting after. They've all been sitting for this long. Nobody wants anybody else getting an edge. Like, there's that old rest versus rust debate. When you've been off for this long, you need to get your legs under you again, right? Nobody else right. wants anybody else to have a head start. So, you sit back and have the first part off while these guys uh, start playing, and all of a sudden they come in and they look like the Russians in the two ga- first two games of the 72 Summit Series, right? Right. So, I mean, that being said, though, too, even if they all come back and they get like a shortened little week training camp sort of thing a week long okay but they're still not in shape like you're saying Matt. like i mean you know they're they're still behind the eight balls just they're not mm-hmm. a total fucking train wreck when they go out there right week yeah sort of thing but the other thing is is they're talking about doing it in two host cities the rumor was four maybe two it's looking more and more like two but why you know and there is risk involved right with all the players and that kind of stuff all the staff that'll be there why would you take those extra teams, you know, six instead of 16, why would you take all those extra teams, all those extra players and just put them through it? A, almost all of them are, are got no, a snowball's chance in hell of actually winning a cup, even making a conference final. Let's be honest. A 10th place team was not going to make the Eastern conference final. 
Why run the risk? We're talking about weighing the risk and the reward here. Well, I assume well, you're just more adding, games too, adding right? risk. So a longer playoff. So, do you risk. need a longer playoff? No. Exactly. Well, so I to me, it's like they don't want to hurt someone's feelings. Well, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. It's because they don't want anybody to feel left out because they weren't in the race at the time the season was unexpectedly canceled, right? Right. And, so if you were you were that, I, you know, you, and I mean, I say too bad as a team that was sitting in a playoff spot before it was canceled, right? So I don't know. I'm to okay me, with it. <laughs> so I mean, you you, you get a, a team. Say, I don't know, Calgary, Vancouver, right? They were in that 8 to 10, 7 to 10 range, yep. right? Oh, yeah. I was fully expecting Calgary to fall out. Right. So say Calgary's the ninth place team. Why, why can't someone just grow a set and go to Calgary and say, hey, you were ninth place. Too fucking bad. You're not in on this. Yeah. What, are, what are they scared of? To me, they're... They're, they're running a risk having this and doing this, but they got to get on with it to a certain degree too, right? So in weighing that out, why add more more gas to a potential fire, right? They need a short playoff to get it done with too, so it's not running into next year. So shorten it up. Is it Just to try? It up. I mean, Is it... Sorry, Matt. No, I was going to say, even from a public health perspective, really, though, more from even a competition perspective you're talking, right? Like, why make it worse? Yeah, like let's just let's just say okay, we're gonna do the regular playoff teams, and we'll do a little different format. You're doing the different format anyway, so you can accelerate through to a champion, right? Well, then why add more fucking people? Well, you may yeah. as well just have the same sixteen and go with the old format. It's gonna take just as long, in my mind. It's got to so, be a financial issue. Like, there's got to be more money to be made or something. Uh, well, are they trying to make up for lost dollars? I would think that Seems that's like certainly it. something they're thinking about. I would assume so. so. I mean, the the playoffs are a big money see, maker for the NHL, right? As a league, for a lot of for a lot of people, well, for I mean, any even for a pending any league, free playoffs is where it's at. Goes on a yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, I don't know. Did they do they they don't do the same thing as uh, as the CFL does? Do they? Where the the club can buy the rights or anything like that? It's like the league owns those playoff games. Do they not? I would think. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So I mean, to me, if you're trying, and I and I get it, everybody's losing money in this thing, companies, people, jobs, all that shit. But you know what? Like, the thing that pisses me off is in small part or, or, you know, with all of this and even companies, you listen to the news, right? It's, it's the blatant profiteering off of someone's misery or desperation. We're all desperate for sports. People want to be entertained again, and that's fair and that's fine, but it doesn't mean you you've now earned the right to exploit me in some way for extra dollars. We talked about, you know, the race for being first back into the market, right? Who is going to, maybe gain fans from something like that. To me, having more games or this bigger format or a longer format to come to a champion is just a grab for the money you lost. And I don't like it because it, there is still risk and reward that needs to be weighed out. And, you know, there's athletes and, and one, one in Washington was speaking out against Bettman and saying, 
This is bullshit. To me, if a guy doesn't want to be there, he shouldn't have to be there, first of all. Nobody should have it held against them if they don't want to partake in a playoff, NBA, NHL. But beyond that, why are you making it that long? It's greedy. It's unnecessary. It's it's more more risk than reward. To me, I hope that if they do it, it, it hurts them in some way. Not that people get hurt, but it financially makes a dent in their bottom line in a negative way more than positive. Or they don't get all that they were looking for. It's a little obscene yeah but i agree well i mean it's, almost, it's almost taking a play it's almost taking playoff qualification to the cfl level eh hey everybody gets in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> except you two you're ugly you get out and then these guys will play yeah oh by the way if you want to play on the other side of the country you can <laughs> yeah to me it's it's greed there's a little bit of greed there still so we'll see what the announcement brings um, sounds like a lot of players are okay with the format. Um, didn't really hear too many say the 24 team thing seemed right, but I mean, these guys are hockey players. They just want to play hockey. They want to get back to doing what they do. So, Probably you want know, some money and, too. yeah, NBA has got a few more guys that are a little more vocal about whether they should or shouldn't or that kind of thing. So, um, well, I'll be, I'll be glued to the TV. Hopefully when the NHL does, finally announce it I, I i'd love to see hockey back it would be very cool but you got to do it smart you're gonna lose money everybody's losing money we're all in this boat together right so well at this point if you're loss. the nhl aren't aren't you just trying to uh lose as little money as possible aren't we all you know yeah like just slow it down right yeah so yeah, but, the, so but I, you know what, what i damage. feel like is they're they're trying to come out ahead or, or at least breaking. Even. And it's like, nobody's really breaking even like just watch the news last eight, nine weeks. Nobody's breaking. Even we're all taking it on the chin. Take your fucking piece of it on the chin. Get on with shit. Like, you know, I think that's what they're trying a, to do. Just, yeah, it's, it's whether they're, it's the dollars pushing the agenda or is it actually cause you want to get your business back and going for the people and the employees well speaking of dollars that's uh, one of the reasons that was mentioned that the NH- nhl actually is still interested in trying to have two hub cities in canada as well as two in the u.s um, yeah that was that was the other one it yeah be, it would be cheaper right uh because of the relative strength of the american dollar um so i mean there's that but Bettman was very, very um, uh, frank about the fact that uh, basically their future lies in other people's hands, right? Like it's not up, it's going to be up to the regulators of both both countries um, to ultimately resolve this for them, I think is what he said. And I was like, wow, that's pretty... Uh, pretty meaningful language coming from somebody who typically controls a situation right to be saying yeah we're going to essentially have these decisions made for us at some point that's kind of how everybody is sitting right yep right and 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 to speak to that just just a hair more though is what are the four cities you're picking are they big centers and do they need to be big centers because if you're not going to have fans 
You just need a 200-foot piece of ice. You don't no. need a, a, an entire arena. You well, can do that in a smaller is, center. I would think one of the reasons that Edmonton is one of the arenas considered is because it's so new. It's got great facilities as far as multiple dressing rooms and adequate facilities that way. Because uh, Batman was also mentioning that one of the things they have to consider is that any facility is going to have to host multiple games every day and thus they're going to need like multiple dressing rooms they're going to need the ability to get in out with cleaning people after things are used and he said right. our, exi our existing nhl buildings in north america are the best option for those that's why they chose are looking at nhl cities specifically but i know i did hear that edmonton was under consideration that would make sense why right just same reason right. that the cfl has been talked about uh, with Mosaic Stadium, right? Right. But what about but housing? My point is, is it? Go ahead, Kyle. Sorry. What about housing for all these guys? Like, if you got twenty-four well, see, teams, where are you putting everybody? And I think that's also a large consideration. Like, I was going to well, say, a pla place like Regina has the Agrodome, right, or whatever the fuck it's named now. They change it every three years, but it has eight or ten dressing rooms in it, right? So, okay, you have eight teams in town. They each get a dressing room. They all have a little bit of distance between them. You've ran world juniors out of there. So television camera crews can come in and out and be set up and that stuff can all happen. Right. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, where do you in Regina put it, put all these, these players um, like you're number talking one, probably, you know, staff and players would be 500 people say for an easy number. Number, number one in hotels that are dying for somebody to come to them right now. Cause nobody's traveling. And right. number two, Number two, I've also heard this suggestion that uh, university campuses that are shut down that uh, have uh, sent all their students home that have uh, uh, dorm rooms, dorms yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and, and, and the other part of that, too, to me is is you look at it from from that lens, you know, Regina has well, the south part of, of the province has one active case a day, basically being, you know, Nova Scotia, I believe, hasn't had an active case for two consecutive days, not just recovered or new cases, none. Everybody's recovered who's had it for two consecutive days now. Well, that's the kind of place maybe you want to take your athletes, play in the smaller venue, and you don't have a COVID-19 threat, as big of a threat hanging over your, your back, right? Because, I mean, there's some pretty prominent players, one of them being a Leaf, that said, what if somebody dies? Well, maybe the best way to mitigate the risk is don't put them in a community that it was kind of a big deal in. Don't put them in New York. Don't put them in California. Don't put them in Toronto. They I already had read a that, storm, right? I already read so that Andrew in, Cuomo is advertising that he's open for business with uh, pro sports leagues. They want to talk. Same yeah, with Florida now. Like, what the hell? Where did you come from being so reasonable all of a sudden to being open for business? And, and, and good on him. He wants to come back and have business. But at the same time, you have a product if you're Gary Bettman and you, your product is as much the players as anything else. You cannot run that risk. I would make it as risk-free as I could for my athletes. So put them in Nova Scotia in a smaller building, put them in Regina in a smaller building and away you go. Put them in places that don't have a COVID-19 issue as large as some of the places they're even talking about. Because out of the four, like even the NBA is talking about doing it in Vegas. They have empty hotels there. They can quarantine the hotel. 
for just NBA guys and away they go. Okay. But it's also a very large city and these guys walking down the street, whatever else, like yada, yada, yada. Well, that's the thing. Are they going to be allowed to do walk down the street? No, yada, yada, yada. No, oh they're not going to be able God. to move. Did you, did well, you read uh, the NBA or the, <laughs> the major league baseball, their list of things that they're going to be dealing with. Like they're yeah. not allowed to take Ubers, subways, buses, um, they're not allowed to eat at restaurants when they're on road trips. Um, What's a road so trip? What about like, families? Isn't everything what a road families? trip? They're, what they're going to do is they're going to have a uh, intensive uh, testing regime where they uh, have them test their temperature twice when they first get up. And then they're also going to be tested once or twice daily, every other every player during their time with the team or whatever as well as, I think, twice-weekly saliva or nose swabs or something like that. And then they're also going to make um, the any testing and as well as PPE and shit like that if you want to be, you know, super careful, available to all family members of any of the people, like players, support staff, coaches, umpires, you name it, right, broadcasters. Right. See, and that's where the Vegas thing they were talking about, you know, with the NBA, basically there would be no coming and going was kind of the first thought. Then it was like of what's in Vegas, they got a big enough hotel, the whole family goes. But I mean, like they're talking the risk of the family coming in and giving it to one guy. Yeah. Right. Well, they're talking here with they're not even going to be allowed to uh, they're not going to be allowed to shower um, at the clubhouse. Right. Like they're going to arrive and leave in uniform. And uh, they're just going to show up there, play the game. They're not going to, they're not going to be allowed to, not only are they not going to be allowed to spit, good luck with baseball, but they're not, they also, um, there will be no uh, high fives or fist bumps. Um, Throwing the ball between fielders will be discouraged, or between the infielders, like you know you do at the beginning of the inning. Yeah, that'll be yeah, discouraged. Round the horn. <laughs> balls will be balls will be discarded when they are um, uh, touched by multiple players. Um, and they're they're doing things like they're also banning um, like saunas and hot tubs and any therapy rooms like all that kind of stuff too eh? like yeah it's so it's gonna at what point does it become out. excessive is that is that excessive? i don't know and well but that's the thing is they said they're kind of laying this stuff out right and they really don't know but they've also laid their stuff out in phases so they're talking about going with um like Pitchers and catchers, I think, first, and only five players at, um, allowed at a time together at first before more people come together, like a phased, a phased kind of uh, training camp or whatever yeah. they call it. Yeah. Yeah. Spring training in summer or fall or whenever it may be. But I yeah, I know. Like it, you hear of all that. Excessive. Like that's some pretty fucking crazy rules, man. Yeah. Does that sound like somebody who's putting in crazy rules because they just are so desperate to get started? They'll basically agree to anything and do everything just yes. to see if they can get going. Yes. Well, no, that would be the hockey ones. 
Yeah, sure. Although I don't think I don't I don't think they actually agreed to those. Those were just recommendations put out by somebody. But oh, right. it's pretty ridiculous. All the face so, shields and the coaches standing six feet behind them on the fight in the fucking stands or something, presumably. And well, and speaking of ridiculous and face shields that you just mentioned, did you hear about the NFL looking at an N95 material to put over face masks on football players? No, on their on their mat. Ah, that'd be I, hilarious. Useless, I, but hilarious. I, I, yeah, I read that, and I'm just like, so we're gonna see a spike in concussions because you can't see half of the shit coming. Because <laughs> or you can't breathe. Like you can't breathe properly. Underneath your fucking helmet. What's that? But if you're gonna put a mask on, put a mask on underneath your fucking helmet. At least it would work then, right? Right. Right. But. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you, you're you right. pull your. I mean, the, the breathing, right? It's not like so you're then just. I was listening, I was listening to breathing. a soccer guy was talking about all the restrictions they're going under because he was from. Uh, I'm not sure if he was a Bundesliga guy or if he was talking about getting back. Because I also heard La Liga in Spain is uh, starting to do group uh, workouts again. Yeah, he was talking about how when they get back on the pitch, it's going to be uh, like. Uh, uh, well, of course, no spitting. But uh, basically, like when they're off the off the pitch, um, it's going to be like all the regular rules of like no touching, six feet away from everybody, motherfucker. You got to wear masks at all times. And then for some bizarre reason, at the moment when they're on the pitch, they can suspend all that and just fucking play soccer, right? <laughs> well, soccer is not it a contact a little... sport. <laughs> it seems a little contradictory, right? I mean, you're but you're spewing fluids everywhere, right? There's lots of moist talking or that type <laughs> of speaking moistly, right? Yeah, right. you know what I mean. Like, there's lots of that type of stuff where I would assume things can be transmitted, right? Even in a and non-contact there's... sport, there's lots of touching, right? As but, a basketball what... player. There's a team. If there's a team sport that doesn't have any kind of contact, it's not really a team sport anymore. Like they all kind of have it. There's say there's some sports, you know, and we're going to talk a little bit about the PGA and NASCAR and, 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 you know, even tennis having ways to get back. It's easy to keep two tennis players apart and they don't get it from each other. Cause I don't know how long does the virus live on a tennis ball though. I don't know. I don't know. Touching the same ball, right? Maybe. If I serve, you don't have to touch it. Exactly. Maybe, maybe not, right? Maybe not. But I mean, it's a little easier to control. That's all I'm saying, right? Like, not going to maybe say it's perfect, but it's easier to control. Same with golf. You know, you and your caddy are the only ones who touch your balls, <laughs> the only ones who touch your clubs. <laughs> and And that's it, right? So it's maybe easier for certain sports to come back. And if Anybody they're not back, yet? not a fucking prayer. I don't play whack fuck. <laughs> I have to be drunk. Not a golfer. Not a golfer. Not my thing. I, I usually have too much other shit to do. If it's You're nice correct, out on a Brendan. Saturday, I'll go fishing. But anyway, no, those sports would be easy to have the distancing in effect, and they're not quite back yet. So till I see those ones, the individual sports, I don't know that the team ones need to be before them. It would just be a common sense thing, but who well, knows? 
Who it knows? Has, it has come to fruition now that uh, they've pulled off a week of uh, the Bundesliga. I think they've been playing for at least a couple of weeks of South Korean baseball. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're in their yeah. second week now. Well, and and see, here's the other part of it, though. Talk too, about with, with being first us. to market. I'm hearing on the radio about teams that I never fucking heard of, leagues that I never heard of, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And And I mean... That's to fill a void because some people out there are desperately craving some sure. form of sports entertainment. There's, and there's the advantage of being first to market because there are going to be some people who they can grab and stick, right? Yeah. Yeah, potentially for sure. For sure. But yeah, well, we'll see. I don't know. But you're going to see a lot of shit in the next month is my anticipating. That's what I'm anticipating is. You're going to have rules and, and shit that, that every major sports league in North America, at least where we are, is going to come out and say, this is our plan. This is how we're going to do it. You know, you're going to see it all in the next month. NFL to CFL to whatever it is, they're going to have their, they have to roll out a plan in the next month. So it'll be interesting. We'll have lots to dissect as to whose plan is smart or not smart. NHL, 24 teams when you should have 16 you know, host cities like Las Vegas for the NBA and how they maybe go about that, you know. It's so hard because there's it so... It is hard. Because it's, it's it is everything hard. Everything is so up in the air. So any any plan you have has to be subject to amendment, right? So do you make your plan really complicated with a whole shitload of contingencies or do you keep it really simple so it's super flexible? Well, I, to me, I think flexible and because there's so much uncertainty you don't know what's coming so if you can't maneuver you can't you're kind of screwed right like the ability to maneuver through this is kind of kind of key you know i read major league baseball set out a 67 page operations manual oh is that simple no in fact (laughs) they, they further complicated a complicated problem to me a lot of this goes away if you can test for antibodies in the general public or even within the athletic community and just have a better, it would unmask so much to have that information in front of you. Cause now you can truly judge what to do next, but what actually was useful in doing prior. You can't really assess like, you know, I said it before, you can't assess and throw a lot of blame at any government, you know, because well, they don't know what the fuck they're dealing with. Anything could be right. A lot of things can be wrong. You don't know. Well, the only way to really find out if they screwed up or caused too much panic or not enough panic is to know how far this thing really went. Antibody testing would tell you a great deal. If 90% of your athletes tested as having antibodies, what would you worry about? Yeah, the likelihood what would you that, worry though, about? Is, is low. Right? So I to me, that's the next step. Not just their plans, but in, you know, even in the general public. Antibody Every testing day. and then no. So anyway. I think we lost Matt. Did we? Yeah. Matt'll be right back. Four four ounce bladder. Nope. Nothing to do with, with bladders. An, with an eight ounce drink. Nope. <laughs> little little phone issue that uh, the charger that I set up before I uh, started doesn't seem to be producing a charge to my phone. 
Uh, you don't need much charge left, buddy. Well, but I'm thinking I may not make it. <laughs> well, anyway, I, I don't know. I think that's pretty pretty close to a show. What I... I just wanted to ask, uh, or just uh, throw you guys want to talk? one little note from the uh, good old uh, CFL that I heard or saw in the ticker before the show started, that uh, the PA has been talking with some uh, three MLAs, I believe, or MPs, I mean, since uh, since they uh, they had a players uh, meeting, I guess. Yeah. So that's that's good news. Because I think yeah. that, was, that was certainly a sticking point if they did want any of the politicians on their side to get some money. Is uh, yeah. The players needed to be involved and just thought I'd it, throw that out and, there. And and there was one MP too that, that came out and said a little while back that it's like, well, he doesn't want our you know Canadian dollars going to American players. Right. Which and you're just like I've oh, heard pretty much universal sakes, outrage over that one. But I mean whatever. Whatever. To me, that was the like most ridiculous thing ever, maybe yeah. to, to to come out and say, because it's like, do you know how many people work in the CFL? How many dollars, Canadian dollars are at stake in the CFL? It's an exclusively Canadian league. There isn't there isn't too many leagues that are exclusively a league within one country other than maybe oh, soccer, yeah. right? So, well, and if you, you look know, at it's, the, uh, the players that it, have, have built this league, for the, the vast majority of the best players who, that, that we all look up to and have become legends and people in our communities are Americans, right? Yeah, but even a peanut vendor, he makes oh, a little sure. extra money, right? Because the league's there and it's still it's still there and it's still you know going mm -hmm. forward he still has a job so there's a lot of Canadian jobs that are tied to it too right mm -hmm. not just the Canadiana of the CFL being what it is right and right to me if it means a few American guys get a little bit of money you know like I've spent fucking money you know good money doing dumb things before so even if it's not the most you know, I'm, I'm it sure, might be I'm sure there's plan. other sectors and businesses that are getting money that they have employees that aren't necessarily Canadian. Or companies that so aren't if, even so based if you in get, Canada. If you get the, the wage um, subsidy, do all of your employees that you pay with that 75% subsidy, do they have to be Canadian? Just a question. You know what? But does does the company just... have to be Canadian? I was just reading about, like, talking about exactly that, that there was uh, in one of the, uh, I want to say New Brunswick, they're getting ready for the the uh, lobster harvest, and they can't uh, find enough workers because all their qualified foreign workers have been on a temporary ban, right? And so yeah. all of a sudden they can't fucking uh, can't fucking get anybody who who's qualified to work. So they're hiring high school students and shit, right? Well, Southern Ontario was doing the same thing with vegetable farms. A lot of their their workers came up here and worked, and they're not Canadians. Yeah. So and you're right, farms. Kyle. Yeah, like it's not just those uh, those people in the CFL. But I mean, I just I don't think they're. I think one of the biggest things, though, is there's a huge misunderstanding, too, about how such a payment to players 
would be divided up, right? Are we talking something that's a more equitable distribution where you're saying, okay, look, we're all in hard fucking times here. Everybody gets X and just sorting it out. Or are we saying, you know, okay, nobody's going to get paid their full amount of their contract, but maybe people can get, you know, 80% or 60%, you know, because I think that's where people have a lot of a, tr- a lot of trouble is they're still picturing, okay, well, we're going to be bailing shit out, but we're still going to be paying Mike Riley $300,000, right? Or yeah. Something along those lines. I, I'm, I'm pinching pennies. They should have to pinch a little too, right? I think there's definitely that sentiment out there, right? Right. And, and, I, right. and there seems to be a big, I don't think anybody's really come out and said what any kind of a structure would look like. Like even Ambrosi seemed really general or vague in his presentation of parliament as to what his vision of like he says yeah we need this money and i'm presuming from the sounds of it he did kind of lay out how badly they lose money on a regular basis but moving forward i'm not sure he really said here's what we need the money to cover and here's where we're going to spend it and here's why yeah i and and, yeah. and I made, and, men- and I made mention looks, of it and last what a week, right? Ship moving forward looks like, right? Like that part was right. really vague too. Well, at that at the point that he made that presentation, right, or was asking the government, you know, presenting to them, he hadn't talked to the CFLPA, right? So like, yeah. Now they. How do you have right? any kind of a plan when you're out there talking about I need money, like? You don't even know if your players are willing to roll back a salary by 20%, 30%. He has no idea what those costs are. Well, then how do you know well, what you're asking for? Like, you're just hoping they'll just hand a wallet over and you'll just get a credit card and you can fucking rack it up and bring it back when it melts. Like, the it's fact not how of the matter is, work. Well, the fact of the matter is, though, it's not like they, I mean, they don't really have a choice as to whether or not the, uh, the players, I mean, don't really have a choice as to whether or not they want to roll their salary back by X. If it's mandated upon them, it's mandated upon them, and they'll have have a choice to either take it or leave it. Right? I mean, it's well, not like they're it's not like they're making their salary right now because there is no season to fulfill their contract. Well, it, but it depends on the language of legally, their contract. It can't be. Well, I, they're all standard CFL contracts, right? Yeah, but is there a clause in there that says an act of God makes your contract null and void, or? Like that's essentially what we're we're dealing with, right? Like, uh, I'm sure there's no clause for a pandemic at the PA for any contract or in the in the you know, in the agreement that they have. But I mean, yeah, take it or leave it is maybe how it would be presented. But I mean, yeah, the union might fight that. They get though too, right? They so. get game checks. They get game checks. If there's no fucking game, they don't get a check. That's how it works, as far as I understand it. Mm-hmm. Aside from predetermined bonuses that happen on given dates. Right. So, but I mean, even in that same vein, how many games are we going to have? I don't and know. That's, that's like if you ask the PA, that, they don't and know that's because nobody's Ambrosi. Well, we know so, it's going to be severely truncated at best, right? Right. But how but much? The most likely scenario is a cancelled season. Exactly. Well... And then who knows? Having what the said that, happen. how 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 do you even host a season when you have somebody who can't even talk to all parties involved and come up with a fucking plan? I think their problem isn't the pandemic; it's their logistics and and their organization as an organization. 
That seems to be their bigger impeding factor. They don't know how much they need. They don't know what they're going to spend it on. But I do know I need it. Well, fuck. You know? Sounds Would like you hand your kid a hundred bucks and just say, well, I'll come back by supper time? That's so essentially what they're hoping that, somebody will do. To contrast that, what do you think of David Silver's leadership then? I've heard nothing but good things about him as far as uh, comparatively, uh, as far as the reaction throughout this whole, uh, this whole crisis, um, even before that going into it, he seems to be pretty, uh, pretty well respected. I think he spends a lot of time getting the temperature of all parties involved with his league. I think, I think he's just that guy. That's like, pretty important. He's just the owners. Yeah. See, and that's where, you know, out of all the uh, commissioners of all the major sports, to me, he is the top guy. Like, we're not going to talk dollars and cents, but in terms of just managing and being well-liked by all parties, he's probably the guy. Bettman isn't terribly loved by by players. But he makes no bones about the the fact that he owns, the owners are basically the ones he's there to cater to. Goodell, the same thing. He's kind of a dink to players, to be honest. And I and I don't understand. Maybe he was just a failed athlete as a kid, and then he doesn't like them because they're good at things he wasn't good at. I don't he know. He realizes he gets to own them as a rich guy, right? <laughs> right, I guess, you know. But, I mean, there's there's a bit of a disconnect with Goodell, but, I mean, I don't really see him. He's that stuffy lawyer type, and so is Bettman. And I don't think they relate to guys – you know, who came from very humble beginnings. Who was the, to uh, me, they, the CFL? They don't have that relatability. Right before Pardon Ambrosi. Me? What was the guy we had just before Ambrosi, CFL? Tom Wright? No, Tom Wright was a while ago. The uh, Jeffrey Orridge. Right, right. He was Jeffrey terrible. Orridge, the There's another Orridge. guy. He who, only lasted a couple of years, right? I think a year and a half, maybe. He did not, that's a guy who did not know how to catch the pulse of the, your organization yeah yeah big time and to me you've got to have that ability to do the boardroom stuff and do the financial stuff and keep the owners happy and make tv contracts happen but you got to have players that are buying into what's going on they got to have the players believing that's the right guy too right like the cfl is kind of bad for having infighting at the pa level but they also don't maybe always have a guy who's relatable as the commissioner either to maybe help bridge that gap or overcome that that shortfall, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, to me, Goodell, he's severely lacking, and so is Bettman. They're just too stuffy, too suit and boardroom. And they do great things for the owners, but they're not relatable guys. In fact, if, if it was me, and we'll just we'll play this game, if you could sit down and have a beer, list them in order, who you'd most like and least like to have a beer with out of, you know, any any commissioner, current commissioner of any league. Goodell's not at the top of my list. He's not. It's not at the Silver's bottom, Silver's probably, either. you know, like... I would assume me. Silver just because of what I've heard about him. And like I said, I don't know a lot about him. I just, I've heard a lot of really, really positive things about well, him. He, he had some, it's like, he seems, seems like, like a relatable guy. He had some just, pretty like, there's, big there's shoes criticisms, to fill. But criticisms are like 
are like fair and balanced. It's not like people are out like this guy's a fucking loon or, you know, he's a fucking terrible thing for the NBA. Right. Like generally people right. are pretty positive about what he's done to grow the game. And well, and that's the thing, you know, good with his discipline of players, they want to, you know, that's the fight every time the contract comes up is they don't want him doing it and they want third parties, everything else, you know, like, he just doesn't seem like the most fair or thought out guy. Ray Rice situation, for example, or, you know, oh, shit God. like that. So, I mean, you're just sitting there and you're just like, this guy should not be wielding the hammer. Yeah. A, it's a conflict of interest to some degree, but at the same time, he's just not, he doesn't get these guys. He doesn't get what they're going through. He's not a relatable dude, you know, but even Gary Bettman, he's another guy. He's not a relatable dude. Nope. On a lot of levels, you know, he's, I don't even think he, he's human. He's, uh, he, he's may, a, he may peel his skin off and be a lizard underneath an alien. That's a Brenda. <laughs> an alien. Said. There you go. <laughs> Sent here to destroy us. But I mean, if you're an owner, I love Gary Bettman. If you're anything else, you don't like him because he's not relatable. No, nope. he's the kid in high school. You'd have beat up and thrown in a locker and then went to class. He's a dork. I'm sorry. He's a dork. Well, you know what? I will. I will. He's give you, I will give him this. He gave the green zone an hour. Um, probably. Yeah, but he gave above average ago. Joe's podcast sure... zero. What's that? But he gave the above average Joe's podcast zero. But did we ask for any time? I thought you were gonna make that call. <laughs> But honestly, he gave them he gave them an hour, and it was a really really good interview. And that's one thing I will actually give Jamie Nye is uh, he's got his quirks, but his interviews are some of the best researched interviews I've ever heard. He knows, and I've heard more than one of his interview subjects go, "Holy shit! How did you know that?" Yeah. Well, it's pretty impressive. That, that's the thing I hate about a lot of the, 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 the media out there, though, too, is they just lob fucking softballs to these guys, oh, yeah. right? Oh, yeah. And then they give the canned quote back. Like, you kind of want to get them off their rocker a little bit, out of their comfort zone a little bit. And, and there's that, that, there's that fine line, though, relatable. between uh, between that and then having the ability to get them on a second time. Like, well, you want to push them, but not push them too hard. Mm-hmm. 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 But that—that's where you see a guy like Ron McLean, who basically used to go at Bettman very, very early on in Bettman's career as the commissioner. He went at him pretty hard, pretty often, and they didn't do a whole lot of one-on-one interviews. And you know, the last ten years, for whatever reason, they've—they've they've done more of them. But I mean, I think they both have good intentions for the game, but they come at the game at different areas and different levels and different angles, right? So, you know, he asked some tough questions. He put him on the spot. And I think maybe when you're brand new, like Batman was at one point, a guy like McLean asking you tough questions makes you uncomfortable. And you don't do interviews if they make you uncomfortable. And like Kyle said, you won't do a second one, right? So nope. you're going to start to avoid it. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if Jamie and I gets him on ever again. <laughs> Yeah, because he no does kidding, do a good no job. Kidding. But I mean, if he made him uncomfortable, he'll just run. No, him, and, so. and honestly, I don't think I don't think it was a hard interview. It was just well researched. I mean, he knew some stuff about him, and Batman was really forthcoming, and uh, and he came off surprisingly well. I was yeah. very impressed with well, Batman during that interview. Uh, I, and, I, and Batman will win a lot of you know kudos in in my book, 
if he goes on spitting chicklets and lets those guys fucking lay into him a little bit, that would be cool. They've been doing hot, you know, they do a lot of hockey guys. So do the commish. See what happens. See what happens. See what happens. Yeah, I don't know. It anyway. seems seems like um uh, like a Mark Cuban guy might be more likely to go on something like spitting chicklets than Gary Batman. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but if you want to up your relatable, you want to up your oh, no, relatable it. cool yeah, factor. Great. Yeah, you got to go on something like that. So, yeah. or the above average Joe's will ask the tough questions. That's right. You'll never hey, come back. Hey, well, before we go, well, I, I got one. Other, I got one I got thing one too. So, thing. so you do okay. yours and then I'll do mine. Mine's a real short one, but it's really funny. Did you guys so hear the mine. South Korean uh, uh, Baseball League apologized because they had uh, not only some cardboard cutouts in the stands, but they also had these mannequins, and they, it turns out they were sex dolls. Some of these mannequins were holding signs for a company that sells sex dolls. Nice. <laughs> Did they all have an amazed look on their face? Marketing at their best. They were surprisingly like That's totally the thumbnail dolls. now, he. Right. <laughs> but anyways, I thought that was pretty pretty hilarious. That was a great great headline from this past week. Right on. They they apologized Fun. for using the sex dolls in the. Uh, in were the they physical games. distancing the sex dolls? They were they were generally pretty spread out. Yeah. Well, there. So yeah. what's the problem? No then? Pun intended. <laughs> pretty spread out. Nice. <laughs> Well, I've just got ninety-fives on. <laughs> I've just got one thing to end the show with. It's uh, an early happy birthday to Maddie, whose birthday is tomorrow. Oh, thanks, buddy! Ooh. Happy birthday, buddy! Happy I birthday, it. Maddie! Matt turns 79 seven, seventy-three the... tomorrow. Seventy-three. <laughs> Looks pretty good for seventy-three. Yeah, I guess he'll be forty-five tomorrow. Big four-five. Just a year younger than you, buddy. Time for a midlife crisis, I think. A second one. You've already had your first one? I haven't had my yeah, first one got, yet. When I got divorced fucking 15 years ago. Yeah, it's not a midlife crisis. That's just a Oh, when you're 30 years old dating <laughs> 19-year-olds, that's a midlife crisis. Well, that's something. <laughs> that's that's for another show where we talk about uh, Matt's. Uh, that's where we talk about my fucking issues. Matt's 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 thirties and his um, well, whatever you want to call it, awakenings. But <laughs> until then, we're the above average Joes, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Later's. Later's. Thanks, guys. Later's. <laughs>